0: the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a non-profit charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the donate link on my website, Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter, and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel, where this episode will soon be live. Enough rambling, let's get started. Today's guests, Rachel Dyer and Scott Alexander Ruderman, are the directors of Pay or Die, a feature documentary that provides an inside look at how the soaring price of insulin in America is threatening, if not deadly. We've heard way too many stories about people rationing their insulin. And this film documents what life is like with this disease and the impact it has on our pocketbooks. Rachel and Scott, welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I can't even get the words out. Where are you calling in from?
1: Thank you so much, Amber, firstly, for having us. And we are calling in from the East Coast. We are based just outside of New York.
0: Thank you so much. And I want to say this to the audience. This was a very impromptu situation, and we're going to get into why this is such a big deal because we've got some big announcements towards the end of this episode, so be sure to stay tuned. Scott, I want to start with reading your director's comment, and then I want to jump into a couple of things. Scott shares, and again, sorry about the COVID voice, most of my adult life has been defined by one inescapable question. How can I make enough money as a filmmaker to afford the insulin I need to stay alive? As a fellow entrepreneur, I've addressed this question way too many times in my adult life. So we know now that you have type 1 diabetes. I want to start with your diagnosis story, and then we'll shift into your career.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Amber. So I I was diagnosed in my freshman year of college. I was in Boston studying at Suffolk University, and I had all the normal symptoms as someone would when they go into DKA, and unfortunately, I went into DKA and was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And- it was a new lifestyle change, trying to manage my way through college, but also living with this new condition. So yeah, that's really where it all started was in college.
0: And when you were in college, were you already studying film?
2: No, I was not. I was studying I was in business school studying entrepreneurial studies.
0: <laughs> which it all kind of works out in the end when you really look at it. And do you have a family history of type 1 diabetes?
2: No, I, a distant, you know, relative, Back in the day, my mother's aunt had type one diabetes, but that's the only person that I know of in my family.
0: Okay. And so age 19, I feel sorry for you on so many levels because as someone who was diagnosed as a child, I mean, I really didn't know life any other way, but at 19, you have a really good idea of what, how great life can be. And now you're hit with your, in college, I mean, a terrible situation. And it's crazy how many people I've interviewed that were diagnosed at the age of 19. There's gotta be something there, a trigger. I don't know. So let's talk about everybody's diagnosis is different, and so is their regimen. So can you talk a little bit about are you an insulin pump therapy user or MDI? What's your what's your deal? It's a great question.
2: I think I'm on everything (laughs) because (laughs) nature of my work as a filmmaker, and I'm also a director of photography, which means Mm -hmm. I'm you know a cameraman filming a lot of documentaries all over the world in remote areas and. I'm carrying pens, I'm carrying vials. I've been on the Libra, the Dexcom, the T-Slim. I've done it all. There's pros and cons to everything for mm-hmm. every different environment, but I make sure I'm well covered. And also it depends on insurance and oh, yeah. what could cover me and you know it always switches. So it's quite a battle, but I make it work for myself.
0: And in becoming a filmmaker, and again going back to your comment and and what that's like. Again, coming back to I've led a very non-traditional life or career style, has diabetes ever made you pump the brakes and say, maybe I need to take a corporate job. I need the insurance.
2: I mean, it, it it's instilled in me that fortunately I have been able to afford my insurance, but mm-hmm. I do think about it constantly. What if I couldn't make ends meet this month? What's next? And the idea of being without insulin, it's a constant Fear and it's on the back of my mind twenty four seven.
0: I totally get that. Well, Rachel, I want to get into if you can speak to this. This is a big project, and you guys have been working on this for quite some time. How many years have you all been working on this?
1: Yeah, we've been working on this for about four years now. We actually started the project because my background is traditionally as a journalist, which is what I started in when I was in Australia. I'm part Australian and Canadian, so when I moved to the states, I started actually doing quite a lot of news journalism stories on the term medical refugees and looking at Mm -hmm. Americans who were traveling to Mexico and to Canada to access affordable, life-saving medication. I hadn't focused on insulin per se, but a lot of other conditions. But when Scott and I met each other working in the field as a producer at the time and a DP, I found out Scott was a type 1 diabetic and he told me about the incredible, outrageous situation of what he and so many others are under in this country. For me, gobsmacked, as I always continue to be, even though I live here now, because it is just shocking to look at the richest country in the world. Mm -hmm. And this is the situation for so many. So I suggested, I was traveling to Canada to do one of these stories, but Scott found himself there as well. And I said, why don't we go and try and see if it works for insulin? So we went to a pharmacy, a, a couple of different pharmacies, and Scott explained his situation and, and showed his prescription of being a type one and the insulin he used. And Scott tells his story so well. He mm. says he felt like a kid in the candy shop. He had access right in front of him to this life-saving medication that the pharmacist was so generous in offering. You know, support in what do you need? How can I help you? <laughs> And put it in front of him for, at the time, only $19 a Canadian vial. And he welled up in tears. And for me to stand next to him and watch that emotion, I think, not as an American, but an outsider. And and then I think see the gravity of the impact of what it has taken for an American to be so, I think, confined to the healthcare system here. But then just to be, you know, have it accessible. We looked at each other and we were like, now it's time to make this movie. And I think this is an issue that we really need to focus on. So we came back and dove into the research and I think we were more shocked at finding there are so many people in this Mm. situation that just do not have access to insulin and their life-saving medication. So we then went on the journey and, and four years later, here we are, but it's been, yeah, it's been a roller coaster for sure.
0: Well, and just because I know there are a lot of people involved in this project over the course of four years, can you speak to not how many necessarily, but are there other people living with diabetes on the set?
2: Well, yeah, one of the great things about this put, building this team on this film is that everyone that has supported us has a, a connection. Some of our filmmakers and team make up of type ones, but some of them have family members, relatives, you know, husband, wives, daughters, sons that also have the issue. So, Everyone does have an understanding of it and a motivation to make this film the best it could be.
1: But I think what was, what I think what was really nice as well is we've had like our EP like Sarah Silverman come on board, who doesn't have a direct connection to type one diabetes, but she is so passionate about healthcare and making a change in healthcare in this country, and that's what really drove her to want to be involved in this project because it is an issue based um, documentary, but it is shown through the lens of human stories and real Americans who are struggling in this country at no real fault of their own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been great to have, I think, the diversity of people on this team that really care about healthcare and the, his- the issue at large.
0: Well, and I mean, I think about, and we'll get into this here in a second with some of the families that were involved, but when insulin pricing and this surge of being in the media about what this is like. How many friends and family members contacted me and they're like, Amber, my God, we had no idea. And I'm like, you wonder why I can only go to happy hour. I mean, <laughs> I've got to pay for my insulin and all the other things. I mean, this is a very expensive disease to have no matter how and how much insurance you have. I mean, let's get into that. The film features three very different families impacted by diabetes. Rachel, how did you find these families?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, with my background through like journalism investigation and then Scott's being so connected within the community, we Mm. really kind of dove into both of those different areas to first look at the research and see what are the numbers, who is being impacted, looking at those demographics. Mm. But then also we knew from the get-go that we wanted this to be a a human-driven story, like very Mm. focused on characters and a story of what people were going through in the now and that to really drive the narrative. So we tapped into a lot of the diabetes networks. We put a lot of posts out and had people reach out yeah. to us. And I think that's what was so overwhelming was just as I think... The amount of stories yeah, I mean, the,
2: that reached out to us. And yeah.
1: people just kind of knocking on our door, sharing so many different versions of the same story and being really impacted. So we had definitely people come to us, but then we also found you know, some local stories and local papers mm-hmm. and and just of how people were going to these extremes to access their, their medication, whether it be not necessarily going across the border, but because of insurance regulations, they could only go to certain pharmacies and having to drive hundreds of miles mm-hmm. just to go and pick up their medication. So it was a bit of a combination of lots of different stories. And mm-hmm. we wish we could tell them all because there are so many. But these were the three that we really built relationships with over time and were able to follow for such a long time, too, over the the course of the four years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
2: I think what's what's really interesting about the stories we chose is that they do tackle a different perspective and angle Mm -hmm. of the issue because there are so many stories. And we obviously didn't want to tell the same story on and on. We really want to show how big this issue is across the nation.
0: So one family in particular is all over. I mean, there are. Billboards with her face. So, can you briefly describe the three families that you chose, and and what reasoning? Because they're very different, and I like the fact that there's a different approach to each one because it hits home with all of us.
1: Yeah. So, well, yeah. Well, you start with Sandra and Emma. Yeah. So Sandra and Emma, we, who are the mother <laughs> and daughter that we focus on, they're both type one diabetics. They live more in a a smaller town a rural more rural community where they don't have as much access to information mm. or you know knowledge of what is going on she's a single mother and and was bringing up her daughter so unfortunately due to their situation they became homeless because they could not afford them my heart that absolutely broke my heart and especially too just to see you know a mother and child going through this again I keep going back to in first world America the richest country in the world it just kind of seems I think unbelievable but it really shows that perspective of how a lot of people have to make those difficult choices of the medicine I need to survive <laughs> and my house my rent putting a roof over my head so that unfortunately was the case for them and through their art, I won't give it away but we do follow them on their journey to find, you know, more affordable access to insulin elsewhere. And that's a big part of, and I think
0: one of those things too, with that family in particular is the mother, I mean, she's doing an incredible job, but she's really instilling in her daughter what it's going to take to be an adult with this disease. And it breaks my heart because it robs you of childhood at some capacity, but Having that support team and just preparing for the future is is amazing. So uh, tell me a little bit more about the other two families,
2: so Kara is an interesting case because we started telling her story during the covid time where, you know, she was our new diagnosis. And the reason why we felt this story was important is because we really want to show how someone who is young hmm. has a good career going, but then, is diagnosed with type one diabetes, trying to understand how to live with this new condition, but at the same time, the financial burden that's gonna mm-hmm. come and trying to put our viewers in those shoes of like, wait, I have to figure all this out, the lack of help, but then the financials are, is coming. So again, we really want to show the different angle. So again, that story really brings in a lot of informative aspects through a human kind of narrative. Yeah,
0: mm, well said. Yeah. And of
2: course, Nicole, I mean, absolutely, Nicole <clears throat> has been the poster child of this issue. And we follow Nicole through her whole entire fight in Minnesota and what she went through, the roller coaster of what her and her family had to go through over the four years. It was hard, it was emotional, and yet alone, what you have to fight for to, you know, it's, every state need to have someone die in order for a bill to be passed.
0: I think it you has know? to be more than one death. Honestly, it's terrible.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, and what's really nice is we really see Nicole and her transform into this amazing human being mm-hmm. who really took a step up to be a voice for so many people. And that's the,
1: yeah, oh, the and I think what's, of her
2: story. What's
1: really nice about his story too. We, we always refer it to the, David and Goliath, where she Mm -hmm. is going up against the biggest people and trying to make a change and to fight for that change. And, you know, she has her families who are such a strong network to rally around her and support her through all of the legislations and state hearings that she goes to. But that just to see that fight and that ongoing relentless fight from the beginning, all the way through over the course of the three years that we followed her, I think is just insurmountable to see that it can be done you know when they're not being they're not backing down and and there is change that can happen at the end of the day and to continue to fight for that and i think out of the three stories collectively which is nice is we show those different layers of Mm -hmm. type 1 diabetes from physical to emotional and mental and then financial and that's really what type 1 diabetics have to go through every single day and we wanted people who are, don't really have experience type 1 to understand that
2: just to circle quickly back to Nicole and her family i think a lot of people in this community that are struggling are face a brick wall and mm-hmm. i will say Nicole James two of them they don't allow that brick wall to stop
1: them
0: and that's why and unless you've been under a type 1 diabetes rock the family that we're talking about is because they lost their son Alec One month after he, it was no longer on his parents' insurance at age 26. So he was unfortunately rationing his insulin and lost his life days before he got his paycheck. Like I could shed tears. I honestly did not realize, and maybe I lived in a bubble and I have, like I said, been uninsured many times or underinsured. I never even thought about rationing, thankful for that. But I also had good health providers that when they knew I was in my poorest moments, they, I had one doctor, literally, it was a group called health for friends and said, Hey, we know you don't, you have too much pride, but we know you need insulin. Why don't you come in? And the insulin was like $5 a bottle because I was so underserved. So I'm saying that is that there are resources. And if you are a person in need, don't be scared to reach out. I will have in in the show notes, links and. They're not associated with that. But I just want to make sure that in your desperate times, which can happen to any of us, there are resources available in the diabetes community as a whole is here to support you. Scott, I have to ask you, and because I've interviewed other filmmakers involved in the diabetes space, being a part of that story and documenting theirs was a difficult at times.
2: Absolutely. It was challenging in, in multiple ways, being in the field, being so close to the issue It's a constant reminder that you're not that far away from being in this predicament. Anything can happen. And it's also hard being in that situation, kind of like, I need to keep the camera rolling because this is the story. You know, Mm -hmm. as much as I want to put it down and give hugs and be there and get up and, you know, put my arms up, that is not going to get the message through. That's not going to voice all the people that are unheard. So keeping that camera on my shoulder and filming it was a challenge moment, but it was so important to us as filmmakers to make this issue as loud as we can.
0: Well, and with that being said too, you guys did this in the height of the pandemic. I mean that, and everybody's terrified with type one diet. I mean, with diabetes, we were the first thing people are like, you're going to kick the bucket quickly. So did you struggle? I mean, was that a, that's gotta be challenging.
1: I mean, I think it's, it's funny. Like you should say that because it, for us, it was a blessing and a curse. Like we were able to find Kara and her story through the issue of the pandemic and through the pandemic coming to light. And I think the importance of showing exactly that a someone with a compromised autoimmune system mm-hmm. having to be vulnerable in this pandemic that none of us had ever experienced before, but especially to be someone that is already autoimmune compromised just elevated that fact. And I think to be able to show that in the film, as well as becoming a newly diagnosed patient, how to manage all of those things at once, and especially the separation from her family. She had been diagnosed, she hadn't been able to see her family because of the pandemic. So again, it's that physically trying to learn how to manage it mentally trying to cope without being with your loved ones and your family. And then financially with her and her partner discussing what does the future hold for them? I think that even in her story alone, there was those three elements that we coming back.
0: I got to say all three of the women that I'm going to say the lead characters with each family, for lack of a better term, are badasses. I mean, to see the resilience and, and when she was Kara in particular, I was like, girl, you got this. Like you are going to make this happen. And Nicole, come on. And Emma, even just like, I got to do this. It's inspirational for all of us. And I'm so thankful that those people had the courage to discuss this, because this is not an easy thing to discuss, and especially when it comes to the financial side and being in that position. Okay, so let's get into this, because this is why we're here. I wanted to get the background of the story. And thank you both again for taking time. But let's talk. The world premiere is just right around the corner. Let's chat about it.
1: Yeah, we're we're thrilled that we're going to be having our world premiere at South by Southwest. Not long away now. We're we're screening the premiere screening on Saturday the 11th. So that will be the first day of the premiere. And it's just going to be it's a fantastic festival in itself because it is not only fun and inclusive and there's so much going on, but they really give, I think, films like ours that are issue driven the opportunity to have a discussion around the issue, which for us was really important as filmmakers to ensure that not only can we you know set this film apart on a world stage and at a festival like South By, but I think to be able to bring the discussion home and curate a panel around that discussion was really important to us. Yeah. I'll let you tell about the panel.
2: Yeah, so we're very excited. We're going to be part of South by Southwest has panels in different categories. They really go into tech, health, design. But as filmmakers, we are going to be hosting a panel about young and uninsured and what to Mm -hmm. expect. And Nicole will be on our panel from the film. One of our film experts, Dr. Uh, Vincent Rajkumar from the Mayo Clinic, he's mm-hmm. going to be on there. And we are also bringing in uh, Representative James Tellerico, in Texas, who also has type 1 diabetes and has really been trying to make a difference in Texas and beyond. So he's going to be monitoring the panel. And we really hope that people will find this insightful because we really want to talk about what is happening right now. Where do we go from here, especially with the elections coming up in 2024?
1: Yeah. And I think one of the key issues being exactly that, the people that are to, about to turn 26 and aging off their parents' health insurance, because they already have so much that they're trying to juggle at this age. And there are a lot of <laughs> kind of being diagnosed, as you said earlier, like around the age of 19 and in college and taking that next journey on in their life. And how are they going to financially prepare themselves for that? So that's why we wanted to focus the yeah. panel on specifically that age group.
0: There's so many things there and we could talk about this for days. I will say I called my mother yesterday because I was diagnosed, I mean, just at my eighth birthday and I was like, mom, and my parents are still married. They've been married for way too long. And I was like, how did you afford my insulin? I mean, like, do you remember, remember? And she was like, they send us home from the hospital with everything that we needed. I mean, I spent two weeks in the hospital without being in DKA and we're going to get into that here in a second. But my mom's like, I don't remember ever being strained or stressed because insulin at that point was like hmm, 10, $12 of a, a vial. And now when she hears, Amber, did you know that insulin's $300 a vial? And I'm like, yeah, no idea. No damn idea that I'm <laughs> I mean, like, yes, I'm very aware of what that looks like. And some crazy stuff with that. Scott, one of the questions I'm asking my guests now is two things across the board as a person living with type one diabetes, do you feel like you received proper education upon your diagnosis?
2: That's a great question. I think Education around type one in general is lacking. I've been fortunate enough you know, being in Boston with the Jocelyn Institute <laughs> and General Hospital that I was able, but I will say, and like Carla says in the film, a lot of the paperwork I got was not relative to type one, it was relative mm-hmm. to type two. Yeah. And nine out of ten times when I'm talking about my diabetes, someone is talking about someone in relation with type two diabetes and it's hard. And and I know there's a lot of type twos that are insulin dependent, but in terms of trying to find someone to understand even doctors, what I'm going through is a challenge to find a good endocrinologist. So yeah, it is a challenge. I think it's been a lot of trial and error for the most part. I think understanding how to live with this condition is trial and error. I think we, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure many other type ones could relate to that too. And we change, our bodies change over years and years. And what I'm doing for these five years is gonna be completely different from what I'm doing in the next five years. And a doctor's not gonna tell me that. All they could do right now is look at patterns and trends. So I think it's trial and error.
0: Trial and error is right. And I will say one of my biggest advocacy efforts is that we're all diagnosed with the same disease that our diagnosis and how we manage this disease are vastly different. And -hmm. what works for you is not gonna work for me. And what worked for me today is not gonna work for me tomorrow, or may not. And so it's a matter of that. And that even comes to when it comes to insulin, I'm given X amount of vials every single month. Well, okay. Well, I'm perimenopausal or I'm sick. I have COVID. My blood sugar was 300. So I'm taking insulin like it's water and there's no room for wiggle because you're only getting, that's a rant. Sorry. That's not about this film. That is not about it. But I want to know, Scott and Rachel, what are the action items? What do you want people to get from this film other than just sharing the story of what our lives are like.
2: You know, I think healthcare in this country is, we definitely need some reform to it. And I think the culprit of healthcare is drug pricing and the face of drug pricing right now is insulin. (laughs) Bringing down the insulin, the price of insulin, you know, would bring, hopefully be a pathway to bringing down a lot of other medications because I know people with diabetes that are are struggling to afford for their, their medication. It's so many different conditions mm-hmm. and illnesses that people are struggling. So yes, I know the T1 community is really involved, and this is really hopefully going to create a lot of discussion and change. But we really hope that the film can elevate and really take a world stage of being a discussion motivator, opener for healthcare in the United States of America.
0: World, and that's a worldview. I mean, that is well said on so many levels. And I will say as a diabetes advocate, even in having friends in Scotland and in Australia and other places like that, when we talk about what you have access to and what we have access to here in the States, and it's like, we get the best of the best, if you can afford it, where other countries, you get everything that you need, but you might have to pay out of pocket if you want something specific, but you're still, your basic cares are taken care of. That's layman's terms. That's totally me. But It's fascinating to me what we deal with and whatnot. With that being said, and if you, I don't know that you can speak to this and I'll end this episode with, I sit on the, one of the more active, it's the Oklahoma Diabetes Legislative Caucus. And we got CGMs passed for people that are on Medicaid and Medicare at no cost. We're working currently on some insulin pump therapies. And I say this with Alex Bill, and I was explaining this to some friends who don't have type one diabetes about what that bill actually meant. And there's no right or wrong. I think as long as we're all working towards something to change this scenario, the better. But can you speak to anything when it comes to Alex Bill? I know there were so many drafts and seeing that pass was such a moment to celebrate, but any other efforts that you can speak to, or I don't know if you can speak to that.
2: Well, we know the bill's working. <laughs> right, that, for A lot of people in the state of Minnesota have used what the bill has been able to provide
1: and also too it, it has been a platform for other states yeah. to start advocating yeah. that bill and i think that that was one of and has been one of the most important things that that bill has done for not only the state of minnesota but for the country as a nation and other for other states to start mm-hmm. to follow and nicole smith hold is actively working with a lot of those other states and state legislation to form those bills and pass those bills and As she always says, it is an ongoing discussion Mm -hmm. that will always keep happening, but it's nice to see now that things are actively starting to move forward and states are listening. There are a lot of caucuses in different states that want to get involved and want to start taking action. So I think that, you know, even from that perspective, it was hard, it was tough, shows it can be done as well. And I think that's the really important message there.
0: Yeah, she's an incredible fighter and she has paved the way for a lot of us. And unfortunately, like we said earlier, somebody had to lose their life for us to get to this point. And I'm glad that people are finally speaking up about this issue because I think a lot of politicians, the general public don't understand the severity of the situation and how crazy it is right now. And I want to thank the two of you again for taking four years out of your life to put this in front of the public straight up. So thank you.
1: No, thank you. And I think, We're so thankful to to so many type 1 diabetics sharing their stories and allowing us to tell their stories too, because the honor of being able to do that as filmmakers, as you had said, it's very hard for people to share their stories, but for them to trust us and and let Mm -hmm. us into their homes to allow us to do that was very special to us. And it's really important to be able to share from their perspective, from a character point of view.
0: What well, I want to say, too, if you're listening and you are in need of any medications or whatever, like I said, I will have resources in the show notes. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is happening to a lot of people. It's not about self-worth or anything like that. And the mental health component of this is very, very important. How can they find out more about the film and all the things future screenings?
2: Absolutely. And we have an amazing website in the works that we are putting together that will have ways resources for people and to learn more about the film where it will be, you know. We hope to get into more festivals to spread the word and get it out to the public when as soon as we can. So check the website, you know, sign up for our newsletter and we'll get there.
0: And make a them- donation. I- you guys are still in yeah, the fundraising yeah. efforts. Make a donation.
2: Make a donation. Uh, we are <laughs> we are still trying to raise money, but the website is www.payordiefilm.com.
0: And it's so funny when I look, Google this, I probably should admit this. There's was a film in 1960 that was put out and I was like, what? Wait a second. And so the film, it makes the difference. And when you Google this, make sure you put the film and thank you both so much for your advocacy efforts, because I know this film is going to shock people. It's going to make a difference. And hopefully, I think it should be shown at every single legislative caucus, anything in front of every single politician to understand the depth of how serious this situation is. Yeah, help us get
1: there. Help us get there. We we are looking forward to it and, you know, making sure that it lives on beyond the film so that a change can be made.
0: And I'll be sure to stalk you all. I'll keep you up to date, listeners, because this is a project that is near and dear to my heart, just like a lot of the other films that are coming out. And I'm glad we're sharing our story. Thank you so much much. for having us. As I wrap up, I want to remind you that I'm here for my Diabetes and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone.